A communications disruption can mean only one thing, invade. Welcome to this off-topic edition of the Banished Pen podcast. This is episode 46.5. Banished to the Pen is the group baseball blog by fans of the Effectively Wild podcast. And today we're all also fans of the Star Wars Minute podcast. So for any fellow fans listening, uh, thanks for checking us out. Today we're resuming our Star Wars draft, which we first held uh, last year in May. I'm Ken. I'm out in the middle of an ocean I see it. I see the island. Joining me is NK421, but he prefers Nick. Welcome, Nick. Thank you. Thank you. I uh, like to think of myself as the uh, Quinlan boss of this podcast. I'm in the background there. You have to freeze frame to see me and maybe zoom in, but I'm there in Mos Espa hanging out in the background. So thanks for having me back on. Thanks for being on. Also with us from the home of New England style Mon Calamari Chowder, uh, it's Mike Carlucci. Hello, Mike. Hello, Ken. And uh, the chatter is our, our first catch of the day. And uh, finally, from the home of the Chicago Kanji Cubs, it's Brandon Lee. Good to see you. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. Thank you, Ken. And uh, I am I, today I am admittedly scruffy looking. Tell that to the Kanji Cubs. <laughs> so uh, we'll start with a little fun fact. Uh, we're coming up on the... 19th anniversary of the Return of the Jedi Special Edition, which is March 14, uh, 1997. Holy crap. Yeah. Jedi rocks. So we're going to start our discussion. Uh, we're going to start with uh, some Force Awakens thoughts. We had our uh, review back in December, um, so it's been a couple months. Um, so just wanted to see how, like, how often you guys have seen it and um, just if you've had any thoughts uh, since before or since last time. Uh, Brandon? No, I, I, uh, you know, I actually haven't seen it again since the last time we saw it. <laughs> uh, but I have, pre- oh, but, but yeah, right. No, uh, but <laughs> this, this part of the podcast comes crashing down. Uh, but I, but I did pre-order the Blu-ray. Um, so I'm, uh, I, I'm anxiously awaiting for that, awaiting that, and uh, you know, I'll, uh, I'm sure I'll watch it multiple times a week. I get it. It's kind of time for it to be out now, considering the lifespan of movies and theaters. Yeah, it it really is, and uh, you know, I saw some. Uh, I, I did see someone in the Star Wars Minute group posting that it's it's playing on airplanes right now, uh, which uh, you know, the last flight I was on, they didn't show it. But also, I was flying Southwest, so understandable. Yeah, and I guess uh, the different stores have their different bonus features. So, um, our favorite retail store, Target. It uh, looks like that might be the best one. Uh, Chris Davis will be camping out overnight. Yeah. Uh, Nick, so uh, how many times have you seen it? Uh, so I've seen it a couple times. Actually, I thought I would have seen it like three or four times by now. I looked it up over the weekend. I just have time to see it again. But I've seen it a couple times, twice. And um, uh, once in like the first time, it was the full effect 3D, the IMAX screen, um, you know, all the things. And the second time I just saw it, you know, in a plain screen in a smaller theater. Um, it's interesting to kind of uh, look for the effect of, you know, different visual effects the second time around. And um, I think because when you remove the, the crazy visuals, it made me aware of how awesome the sound is in the movie. Um, the way they pound the 
like the speakers to vibrate the theater um, in, in some of the really intense scenes. Uh, whenever like Kylo Ren is using the force to try to drag something out of somebody's mind, like you can feel the whole theater shake. So I thought that was pretty cool. Like to kind of back up a little bit and and watch the movie and notice some of the the ways they mess with you. Um, and also try to figure out if um, if I could pick out any of the celebrities in the movie, uh, which which you can't. I mean, it's like <laughs> there's a reason that they had to like publish guides and everything because um, you can't recognize anybody. So um, yeah, that was a weird part. But a lot of the jokes held up pretty well. Um, the Ray and Finn relationship I thought was was still pretty solid. Like they're still the stars of the movie for sure. So. Um, that was, that was pretty sweet. Um, I don't know, how about you guys, uh, Mike or Ken, you guys pick up on anything, think of anything recently? Um, well, uh, uh, Mike, did you have any, uh, well, Mike had a good answer for, like, number of viewings. Uh, do you remember what you said? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I've seen it two times, but they were both 3D, so I'm going to go with six total dimensions <laughs> of uh, Force Awakens. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We should trademark that. That's not how dimensions work. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> so, Mike, do you have any thoughts uh, from your more recent viewings? It still holds up. Anything else you noticed? Uh, no, I, I, I didn't, uh, didn't pick up anything re- really big the second time. Uh, although, I, I am going to look. Well, once it comes out on on video, to get a better look at that bread, because apparently the bread, the raised bread, was a practical effect. Huh. Wow. Like her her instant bread. They actually created yeah. inst- an instant bread that cooked. Whoa! In a second. Why don't I have this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I would like some. I would like some. I I could imagine like uh, you know young me. I was fascinated with uh, with like uh, ast astronaut food you know that they sell that they would sell at the planetarium i i could see this being something that my mother would tell me that she would under no circumstances buy me but that i as an adult would definitely go and buy why not have star wars themed food like where's my blue milk and you know why didn't they do that years ago instead of or or in addition to everything else they did it's a little surprising right i think i've seen it four times um one of those was an imx 3d showing which is actually pretty good because uh i guess normal 3d i've never been a fan of so um that was a pretty cool way to see it um yeah so even after like four times i i, I like it still holds up the uh the pacing is great uh, it goes by real quickly um even the parts that i thought dragged when i saw it the first time it's uh you don't really notice it anymore so um yeah it's still a lot of fun to watch did you did you get, um, I'm just curious, like, when they go to Maz's place, like, I don't know if it even struck you, did you get, like, a better look at the surroundings? Because I feel like that scene kind of goes by quick when they first walk in. Uh, it, it, like, in contrast to, say, when, you know, they go into Maz Isley for the first time and they kind of drag around the, the cantina. Um, I don't know if, if that made an impression at all. Um, just like seeing all the aliens in there? Drag. So, yeah, like all the aliens and all the different things that are. No, it's happen. always like a blur, like every time. I, I, the only thing yeah. I notice like, every time is that song that's playing. It, it <laughs> those like grass, the the raspy vocals. Yeah, huh. <laughs> not a fan of that. But, um, not a big fan. Yeah. 
but uh, my favorite bar patron is that uh, rickety droid that uh, alerts the resistance. It's just like very out of time, and even by seventy-seven standards, it looks pretty old-fashioned. So oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so real quick, um, I realized on the second viewing that whole speech that Kylo Ren gives. Um, it seems like he's kind of lying to Han, but he's actually kind of telling the truth. It, it, it like reads completely differently from when you uh, see it the second time. Like he actually wants Han's help in turning to the dark side, not turning to the light side. So, mm. okay. So um, before we resume our draft, I'm just gonna go real quickly with what we did last time. Um, so I think we picked 15. Uh, it was just me, Mike, and Brandon at the time. So the number one pick was Y Wing uh, from Mike. Uh, then I picked the uh, Empire Strikes Back lightsaber duel. Brandon picked uh, Shadows of the Empire, uh, the video game in particular. Uh, Mike went with Lando Calrissian, played by Billy Dee Williams. Uh, I went with just first overall viewings of the uh, the movies. Um, Brandon went with Darth Vader. Uh, third round was Money and Falcon from Mike. I picked uh, Chewie. Brandon had Good versus Evil. Fourth round, Mike went with the Penny Arcade uh, lightsaber comic. Uh, then I went with the John Williams soundtracks, uh, just overall. Um, Brandon went with Simpsons references after that. Um, then Mike went with uh, unintentionally funny line readings. Uh, did you want to uh, give the example you gave? Leave that to me. And uh, then I went with video games, the um, the old Atari Vector game uh, in particular. And then Brandon ended with, uh, I guess, just action figures in general. Um, just real quick, did Nick or anyone else have any quick thoughts about any of those, revisiting them? Only that somebody, I recently read a, a like ranking of all 50 Star Wars games, at least that they could come up with. And they ranked Shadows of the Empire like in the high 30s, and I think that's absolutely wrong. Oof! And Oof. good on you guys. Out. Yeah, that was too low. You mean? I know it was like like it was a poor ranking. Like so, they ranked it. You know, out of 50, it was like 38, and I'm like, it's got to be a top 15. Boo! Maybe just I don't know. You know, at least at least you know, regardless of anything, I think it's one of the best games that they made. I thought it was awesome when it came out. So, um, but anyway. That was that was when I was looking around for draft items. I, I picked up on that. I was like, "That's that's totally wrong." <laughs> uh, so I'm with, I'm with you guys. Shadows of the Empire was great. Obviously, the Vector Star Wars game was, was awesome. Yeah. So. Have you guys played that Battle Pod game? The, the arcade yeah. game it costs like five dollars a pop, and you have to pay each time to to advance levels. Which, oh my god! Yeah. Uh, the graphics were cool, but wow. that's about it. I we'll have to look at that. That's weird. Or just look because I'm not gonna. Wow. <laughs> The the video game the video game that came back uh, to my mind recently was uh, Masters of Terracasi, the fighting game. Uh, the Street Fighter Two. Uh... Yeah, which was uh, the the place that the PlayStation one, which was so bad, like <laughs> so bad. It was, uh, it, it was, it was clunky. It was slow and. Nothing looked good, even for the time. Oh my god, it was awful. They um they pulled that the Terrascasi into I guess 
maybe in the EU in general, but particularly in the Star Wars Galaxies, the MMO based on the Star Wars universe loosely. Um, and it's funny because it became a major part of, of like PvP combat. And I was like, this is not how it worked in the original <laughs> game. And it was terrible in the original game. Like, you did not move this fast. <laughs> yeah, after we recorded the last time, there's one thing I realized that we forgot to mention. Um, we were talking about Billy Dee Williams. Uh, we mentioned that he was in the, uh, the baseball movie. Um, Bingo Long, Traveling All-Stars, and Motor Kings. And uh, James Earl Jones is also in that. Uh, and I don't think we mentioned that. So that was kind of a weird... Uh, uh, that's a funny tie-in. Uh, yeah. I'll oh. tell you guys my Billy Dee Williams story off the air. It's not a personal oh, story. Oh, man. But you know, now <laughs> you've... Him. Now you... Yeah. Well, now, now you've gotten everybody curious, Nick. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> so Billy Dee Williams was in a, a movie... And um, excuse me, my type for a second. It was filmed in Atlanta. Uh, it was filmed with some actors that were from Atlanta, so people that I've I've met. Um, uh, and uh, what they they said was uh, in this particular movie that some of these actors had a lot of scenes with Billy D. Williams, and because Billy D. Williams either just didn't want to, or had a really hard time remembering his lines, uh, basically. It, a significant part for one of these actors that I've, I've been acquainted with uh, was completely almost cut from uh, this particular movie because Billy Williams just couldn't couldn't say the lines at the right time or you know, couldn't get them out at the right timing. And it's so like a, a instead of trying movie? to like fix them all, yeah. So um, the the movie was um, it was like a, a spoof on like black exploitation uh, movies, uh, Undercover Brother, um, that I probably most people haven't seen. Uh, it stars um, the what is his name? Yeah, Eddie Griffin. It's like a comedian and an actor. Chris Kattan is in it, so it's a lot of um, kind of like C-list comedy actors. But it was just kind of weird that I had this. You know, he's Billy D. Williams. He's like the coolest guy ever, and he totally let me down because he, like, you know, let down some people that I I respected uh, at the time quite a bit. So it was just a little weird. There's anyway, this, don't sue me. <laughs> there's this one story I heard where he was he was at a, a convention doing signings, and I think he signed someone's photo, and um, they got the fan asked like, "Oh, do you have any?" He was just kind of staring at the photo after he signed it, and so the fan goes like, "Oh, do you have any particular memories of that scene?" And Billy was just saying like, "Oh, I'm just waiting for the ink to dry." <laughs> He's not being reflective at all. <laughs> well, it's very very practical reason. Very polite too. Yeah, yeah. White man doesn't want you to smear your nice autograph. <laughs> oh, he knows his uh, signature goes for a high value on the secondary market. <laughs> um, act- actually, uh, I, I want to. I'm, I'm going to pull a Sam Miller here and uh, and go back to Force Awakens real, real quick because I I dug up something that I sent to uh, uh, Mike and Ken. Uh, and I, it, it was, I, I work at a, I work at a, uh, uh, Asian American civil rights organization in Chicago. And sometimes this means we get, uh, mail from kind of rando places. And, uh, one of the letters that we received, uh, sometime in, uh, November, uh, 2015, uh, I'll, I'll also say that if if it seems media related, it gets forwarded to me. Uh, and this particular letter was from 
uh, a return address that said the diversity awakens. Uh, so I opened it up and, and the letter uh, was about how to make Hollywood more diverse for women and minorities. And the, the idea being that Star Wars is key to all of this, uh, because Star Wars had a diverse, has a, a, a more diverse cast than, than other movies. Uh, you know, we can show our support for diversity in Hollywood by making Star Wars the, uh, the number one movie of all time. Uh, and, and I guess in, in some ways we, you know, the, the masses were, were successful. Um, but one of the notes on here is that uh, it gives everybody an individual goal, okay? The individual goal is for everybody to watch Star Wars The Force Awakens in theaters four times or more between December 18th and February 29th. Um, I, d- I did not meet my individual goal. Um, but <laughs> but this letter also lists the hashtag The Force Awakens Challenge, uh, which is to watch it ten times or more. Um <laughs> And I, I fell way, way short of that. Um, but, uh, but just to let you know, um, you know, as violent as Star Wars is, it's not a racist or sexist galaxy. We should all learn from that. True diversity means that anyone can play the hero or the villain, not just white people. Full, full diversity needs to become the new normal. Hashtag, we want diversity, we want diversity. End quote directly from the Diversity Awakens letter. That is that is impressive, uh, and where was it coming from? Was it like a California? Uh, somewhere in Florida. Florida. From what I recall, you still have. You yeah. could uh, follow up to see uh, how that turned out. That's and... true. That's true. I should. I should. Uh, I should send a return letter. <laughs> Someone wrote back. It's like, oh, he's just asking. Yeah. I should ask if it also counts if we buy the Blu-ray. <laughs> That's funny. Billy Williams too. <laughs> Finn's father, you mean? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> They're holding him back. Yeah. Okay, so I, I did a search for the hashtag Force Awakens Challenge. Oh, it's the Force Awakens. The Force Awakens. Challenge. Oh, the Force. Well, for Force Awakens Challenge, the first thing that the oldest one that comes up is from December 2014. The guy saying he's going to stay off the internet for a year to avoid spoilers. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> the Force Awakens challenge. Uh, that doesn't come up with anything, actually. Uh, oh, no, never mind. Now it's up. Uh, no, I'm not getting much here. Yeah, looks like just five five people and they're five tweets and they're not. I don't think they're related to <laughs> this cause at all. Okay, so. So we can start resuming the draft from last time. Uh, since Nick wasn't with us yet at the time, we're, we're going to give him a sandwich pick, and then uh, he'll pick first uh, for each round after that. A sand um, wedge pick. <laughs> Sorry, still, oh, still, still not funny. Still not funny. Okay. <laughs> okay, so this is, uh, I guess this will be round six, uh, the 16th overall pick. And uh, so, Nick, uh, you can lead us off, set the table. Great. I'm going to go with a, uh, a speedy, uh, speed-based uh, uh, part of the Star Wars canon, I guess. Uh, so I, I wanted to make sure that I got this one. I've been a fan of the A-Wing fighter ever since uh, I saw Return of the Jedi. 
And um, so I'm going with the A-Wing. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, I just always thought it was cool when I was a kid because it, it looked a little different from, it was this kind of new slick ship in the fleet. Like, you know, all the other ships kind of look a little older or rustic. And, um, you know, what, what's weird about it too to me is in, in the real world that we live in, the A-Wing kind of inspired the design of the Jedi Starfighter, right? Because they're both these kind of pod-looking uh, ships. Um, the A-Wing was this, like, fast kind of interceptor. Um, Jedi Starfighter, you know, is similar. Um, but in, in the Star Wars universe, in the universe that we watch, it's the flip, right? So the Jedi Starfighter influenced the design of the A-Wing, um, which came around much later. Um, and the other thing was when I was trying to do some research to say more things about the A-Wing than like, hey, this looks cool, was that I found out that um, so Poe Dameron's mother was an A-Wing pilot, uh, apparently like at the Battle of Endor. Uh, you know, I hope that's not too much of a spoiler for like the graphic novels, but I haven't uh, haven't made it there yet. And I think it's an incentive to go check that out now. That I know that the A-Wings uh, have some sort of a presence in in our new star wars canon um and obviously the a-wing was the ship that was flown into the superstar destroyer um to take it out in return of the jedi so uh i don't know i just always thought it was cool it comes very early on in the star wars uh encyclopedia that i had when i was a kid <laughs> so maybe i just lost <laughs> onto it there the enforcement. Like, oh, hey. <laughs> maybe i just didn't make it to the like uh, you know the case or something and, and missed out on something so anyway um it's just a, I don't know, like a under the radar, you know, the B wings are the cool looking, like, you know, weird looking ships, the big gun ships, the X wings are always uh, obviously the X wings. And, uh, I don't know. So hopefully they bring them back in the, in episode eight. That's what I'd hope to see. So that's my main thing with the A wing, I guess it's cool. You know, it's, it's the, uh, the fast ship in the rebellion fleet. Um, and, uh, I think most of what's, you know, been, been written about it comes more from like expanded universe, fleshing out the stories of, of different characters. But I just thought it was cool that they brought back, you know, one of the new characters. They kind of tied tied him in. So Poe Dameron is the son of an A-Wing fighter pilot. Um, did you have yeah. any versions of the A-Wing toys? Um, like the, uh, it was Kenner at first, and then I guess now yeah. the Hasbro. I, have, I think I had um, the Lego, like, build. I think I built one from Legos. But the funny thing is, like, I was terrible with Legos. And I think I never actually got it finished because I was a little bit older when I think when I was trying to build it. So I was old enough to be able to put it together myself, but um, still not good enough to get it together. But, uh, yeah, I didn't have the – I had an X-Wing, but I think it wasn't, like I said, until a little later that I kind of um, – the A-Wing kind of caught my eye. Uh, I think maybe the first time I watched Return of the Jedi, I was a little too focused on, you know, what's going on with Luke and Han Solo and the Millennium Falcon. So I didn't really uh, notice them quite as much. Uh, and uh, maybe it's just because it, it looks a little bit different than a lot of the other ships in, in that, you know, in the original trilogy. Uh, it looks almost more like something that might come out of, I don't know, some other science fiction franchise or something. So it kind of stuck out to me. Yeah, I uh, I, uh, I did have a... Uh, an A-Wing Micro Machines uh, Action Fleet uh, toy sweet. that was yeah. uh, that that got a lot of play, got a lot of play. Yeah, yeah, got a lot of work in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were the you know like the F uh, what do you call them? Like F sixteen or something? Like they could they have like the cannons, they have uh, lasers, they can they can uh, 
through hyperspace, or they can be like stripped down to be really fast, apparently, according to, you know, what I remember reading at the time and what Wikipedia tells me now. So the A-wing, you know, wanted to get that out of the way. Um, is there is there a particular uh, explosion from uh, Jedi that uh, is is dear to your heart among the A-wing explosions? pilots? Well, just the um, God, I can't. I don't know how to pronounce his name actually, but the pilot that flies into the Super Star Destroyer takes out the, um, you know, the what do you call it, the bridge. Um, I thought that was pretty cool, and apparently, like in the expanded universe or whatever it is, or maybe it's 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 been retconned even into the new canon. Uh, he has an award named after him for like you know exceptional bravery. <laughs> Uh, like, he knows he's going down, oh. and so what does he do? He just steers right into the biggest target he can find. I thought that was pretty sweet at the time uh, when I first saw it. Still today, that um, you know he can uh, do so much damage. It's it's my inspiration for like every Star Wars um, like, flying game I've ever played too. Like if I'm going down, I'm taking something. Out. <laughs> <laughs> so um, and it's a pretty yeah, it's a pretty cool explosion when that happens, and then they, you know, it causes the one ship to crash into the other one. You know, a short but sweet um, appearance, I guess, in the films. And then uh, I just want to move on to uh, pick two, if that's okay. Yeah. So keep it moving here. Um, so my my second pick, I'm gonna go with. I got a couple names, but I'm gonna go with another kind of under the radar. So I'm gonna go with Lobot, who you know, going back to Billy D. Williams and going back to Lando. That's his buddy, obviously, up in Cloud City. And uh, Lobot is, you know, this character that only comes on screen for a little bit here and there. But I think as I've, you know, as you get older, you start to rationalize, like, what you're going to do with your life. And so maybe, like, when you're young, you want to be Han Solo and, and be the cool guy. Or you want to be, like, Luke Skywalker and save the day. And I think lately I'm just, like, I just want to be Lobot. Like, I just want to be, like, this guy that can come through in the clutch and deliver <laughs> in a big way. And obviously, like, he saves, you know, saves everybody in, in Cloud City, you know. Uh, triggers the the evacuation uh, signal, and um, I uh, I guess you know there's some explanations probably out there in in some either fan fiction or expanded universe of of more of his backstory. But um, I thought it was also cool that he had the cybernetic tie-in, so he was like the first kind of mostly human, but slightly you know like cyborg whatever parts to him that I saw in in science fiction came along before Jordy LaForge, who had the cool visor um and uh you know caught my eye and uh it's the cool name like lobot like where did that you know obviously i guess lucas was just trying to combine something with robot maybe I, I, well i think it comes it comes from a lobotomy uh, i don't know how obvious that was uh, but yeah well, it's, i'm uh, pretty sure that's what it's from just learned something yeah, yeah. totally um actually I, I looked it up to try to find a pronunciation because i was you know i realized as we're doing this like Half of these terms or words just exist in my own mind, in my life. Like a lot of these, they never, they never say his name in the movie. I don't think. Yeah, they never say his name. It's it's totally created in credits and um, action figures. Like you know, there's an action figure for Lobot, um, and I don't know exactly like as an action figure, what does he do? Like what is his? <laughs> like, he holds his hands up to his head. I don't know. Uh, does he have a gun? I can't remember. Um, uh, but. And as a as a person that has less and less hair, I guess as time goes on, he's a he's a role model for hairless men everywhere. So that's the other thing I wondered too was like, did he have hair under his um, his headpiece, or was it just? I, I assume it was bald if it was tied into his brain, I guess. But 
this seemed like this fascinating character that for whatever reason I've never been able to kind of flesh out of my head. I have so many questions. And um, I've always wondered if Lucas had like a super in-depth backstory for him because sometimes he does that. You know, he's just a great storyteller. Sometimes, you know, these characters um, between Lucas or, you know, the people that work on the films, they have these fleshed out stories before they even get to, um, you know, uh, before they get to video games or whatever else expands their story. Um, and sometimes he just like comes up with something <laughs> like, oh yeah, the guy has a thing in his brain. Um, like the way he just, you know, came up with a justification that, oh yeah, Mace Windu can have a purple lightsaber now because I'm tired of listening to Samuel L. Jackson complain. So uh, he's definitely a character I would like to hear George Lucas explain if I ever got to sit down with Lucas for like several hours or something. Um, and, and Cloud City of Two just struck me as like the coolest setting in a, in a movie that I'd seen in my you know, young life and even today. Um, just is kind of like, you know, cool oasis away from everything. And um, like if you played um, the Mass Effect games, like some of their settings really remind me of Cloud City. Like I kind of feel like somebody was at least subconsciously influenced by that set. So it's interesting how much that, you know, plays in, in, in future science fiction settings. And, and certainly anybody, if you say Cloud City to somebody, you know, what's the first thing it's going to think of? They're going to think of Empire and, you know, that kind of strange little it's oasis. Like art, uh, art Deco kind of influence. Yeah. A little paradise, little slice of paradise, I guess. And I also kind of wonder in hindsight, like, what happened to Cloud City? Um, I don't know if that's, if you all know if it's explained anywhere. Does it get abandoned? Or does it just, is it just like the, the people who, you know, were there to, like, have, like, a good time uh, that were evacuating? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to come up in the draft later on, but um, the there's the guy with the ice cream maker. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to get too too crazy, but yeah, the ice cream maker guy. So he, he had his own he had his own action figure made also, so you can look for that. How weird! I know there's like uh, fans kind of invented the backstory for him, <laughs> so I'll, I'll wait and see. If it doesn't come up, we can discuss it on like a future. Yeah, no, like maybe we can do like a, a an EU like a or a weird backstory draft or something. So um, that's my, maybe not the greatest two picks of all time, but those are the two picks that matter to me. Make sure I got the A-Wing and to get my boy Lobot into the podcast was kind of important uh, to me. Yeah, the, the guy who played him, uh, John Hollis, um, I think he had a scene in the Superman movies. I guess he's one of the elders of Krypton. I haven't seen it in a while, but... Uh... I guess he'd be a familiar face there. Oh, well, I have to go check that out. There's somebody that I'm thinking of. We talked about, you know, actors versus uh, characters. There's somebody that, uh, if, if he comes up in the draft, I'll be excited to discuss all of his other roles as well. So we'll see. Yeah, and he was also in a uh, uh, James Bond movie, For Your, For Your Eyes Only. I guess he was in the, the cold open for that. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Uh I know I've seen that, but I certainly didn't recognize him. That's no, I did not. I did not see that. Which one was that? That wasn't... Um, oh, Roger Moore. Your only, is that the one? Sorry, go ahead. Roger Without looking, I'm going to guess, is it the one that's out where they are skiing? Is it a um, Roger uh, Moore movie? Yeah. Is that the one with the where 
he skis down the mountain on the cello. <laughs> well, the, the scene that John Hollis is in, um, on Wikipedia, it says his character was famously lifted from a wheelchair and dropped to his death down a chimney stack by Bond. <laughs> wow. So that, that could maybe also be a Lobot's uh, origin story. Yeah. <laughs> Shows up in the Star Wars universe on the other, other end of that chimney. Gave up a life of crime. Yeah. Stopped running a illegal operation on the outskirts of the Empire. Uh, I love I love the obs- I love the obscurity of the pick. Uh, it's it's not one that I would have guessed. Uh, I would not have guessed Lobot would get picked. But at the same time, I would have guessed that a character like Lobot would get picked. Uh, so so it falls in in that category. Yeah, no, L- L- Lobot is uh, everything that's that's right with the original trilogy. He's a character that. <laughs> Played a minor but important role, and people talk about it for decades. Yeah, and, and I guess he had one line, or he, I don't know if it was cut out of the movie. I think maybe it was in the book. He says, uh, you, "You should have bargained or something." So it's Lando. So Jeff, he can't talk. Yeah, they bring up, I guess, like that. You know, he was pretty important to running the operation. That Lando was a little in over his head when he got into it. Um, something that's funny too that he was like the, the bureaucrat, <laughs> bureaucratic hero. Fire Strikes Back. In the West Wing set in the Star Wars universe. A lot of walk and talks with Lobot. Oh, Lobo. God. Yeah. Oh, God, that would be awesome. <laughs> That's all I'm going to be thinking about tonight. <laughs> yeah. Star Wars set in the all West right. Wing. Yeah. Or West Wing set in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Yeah, a Cloud City drama. All about Lando and his cabinet. Yeah. <laughs> need to flesh out that cast a little bit. It's a uh, spokesperson. A couple of Ugnaughts, that other creepy droid. Right. <laughs> Watch out for that uh, exhaust shaft coming up. So, I think we're on the 18th overall, uh, Mike. Okay. Uh, I'm going to pick. So that this is this is going to be two characters, but with one theme of the two hardest working characters in Star Wars. They are Nine Numb and Bib Fortuna, both of which hold down incredibly dangerous jobs for at least 20 to 30 years. <laughs> Nine Numb is still an active pilot in The Force Awakens. Spoiler alert, he's on the front lines. At Bib Fortuna, we see him in Phantom Menace. He's working with Jabba, and he lives all the way through to uh, Return of the Jedi. Still, Jabba's like number one guy. I mean, th- this this is an evil slug lord. <laughs> Fortuna is still around. Like that's that's incredible loyalty, or he's really good at his job. Or, or Jabba's a more patient boss than uh, Vader was. Well, well, uh, well, I don't know. He sent Ula to her death pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, you can't choke you very easily. I guess that's so got that going for you. But those guys, I mean. Nine, nine numb. Yeah, They're thirty I, I, years as a pilot. I, I like that. I like that pick quite a bit. Yeah, he might have been. He might have been my favorite. Uh, my favorite uh, cameo in <laughs> in Force Awakens. Do we, do we? I don't even remember seeing him in in the actual battle though. He does survive. We assume. I think I don't. Does he? Because even Akbar, we don't see. Like we see him, we see them all in the briefing room, but uh... yeah, Akbar is a really quick one. 
Um, I guess Akbar maybe was in semi-retirement. Kind of very quietly. Oh yeah, no, you're right. Uh, I don't think we see him in the, in the battle at all. But he, yeah, he is dressed up though. Yeah, and it is Mike Quinn uh, coming back to uh, the role, it looks like. so. And um, he's what, a um, Solistan? Is that right? Is that how you say it? Uh, yeah, that's... I think the plan was Solus. They, they mentioned that the base was uh, found to be near, I think. Oh, right on. It's one of the incredible things I think about the Force Awakens, though, too, is just nailing, like, who to, you know, who to bring back, and that RC 9 num has a big fan following. So, uh, got him back in there. So, my pick, uh, I'll go with something more conventional, I guess. I'm going to go with uh, Luke Skywalker. Uh, I guess someone had to pick him. Um, also, uh, I'm going to, like, pair him with uh, Mark Hamill. Um, so, he, he might be, like, one of my favorite actors, uh, just kind of, I guess, off-screen. Um, he seems like kind of like an actual fan of the franchise as opposed to the other main cast members who, you know, just kind of show up to work. He would, like, pepper, question, uh, pepper Lucas with questions about his character and the storylines, and so he seems to have an active uh, interest um, in the movies, and I guess early on he, in his contract, I think he actually wanted to have, like, one of every action figure that got made, so uh, that was kind of cool. And I guess since then, he's gone on uh, to be the maybe the best Joker uh, in my book, still, on the uh, animated series. Oh, yeah, Batman animated series, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think he's doing the uh, Arkham Asylum games also. Oh, he's doing voices for it? or? Um... Yeah, I think he's, yeah, I think he's playing the character also in the uh, these new video games that are coming out. Oh, in the games, I got you. Right, right, right. On. Yeah, his, his voice work is, is crazy good. Um, it's just weird because... People complain about him being like whiny in the original movies, but you know, I think he was just trying to, like. I mean, I think that. Point. Yeah, that was the character. Uh, yeah, that was the character, not him. Um, and he just, you know, his range is amazing. Like with his voice acting. Too bad he didn't have any lines in Force Awakens. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it kind of bothered me too. I mean, it was you know maybe cut for time or something. <laughs> yeah, that's what I think. Uh, I didn't get into this last time we had our uh, Force Awakens review, but I guess the trailer was kind of misleading, so it made him seem like he had a bigger role in the movie, so I think that's why I kept expecting him to show up earlier than he did, so I'm like, well, he's not going to show up until the very end, is he? So. I mean, in a way, he did have a big role. I mean, he was all over the movie, like, without being in it. Like, the whole the whole movie was finding Luke Skywalker. Well, not the whole movie, but I mean, so much of it was finding Luke Skywalker present without being present yeah and i mean mark hamill you know survived that crazy uh, accident or whatever it was a motorcycle accident between um yeah i think it was a car accident yeah uh between between uh, star wars and empire right 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 um you come back from that is pretty ballsy like for an actor to uh go through you know almost losing like there's been all these rumors through the years they like almost lost part of his face or something crazy like like the skin was like killed like, almost degloved or something but I think that he's denied that pretty much for years. But obviously it was, it was kind of rough because he looks different. Um, kind of works for him, I think, in Empire, though, at the end especially. Yeah, and um, I'm not the biggest Kevin Smith fan, but um, he has this uh, Batman podcast. Uh, I think it's called Fat Man on Batman. And uh, uh-huh. so there's like a, a two-part interview he did with Mark Hamill, and they're like each like 90 minutes. And so he you know, talks about his life, and it's uh, really fun to listen to. Um, and Star Wars actually doesn't come up that often, so... Yeah, he's got, like, a whole lot to uh, talk about. So, probably worth checking out. Oh, and I, uh, 
So on the uh, the Star Wars Minute podcast, um, when they were covering the minute where Luke finds out that Vader is his dad, um, they're doing a live show, and one of their guests was Asterios Kokonos, and he asked um, about Luke's reaction, or Mark, I guess the way Mark Hamill plays it, and he asked, like, is that good acting or bad acting? So, um, Nick, I guess you have some theater experience, so I'm wondering what your take was on that. <laughs> when... Luke first learns that Vader is his father, and he yeah, the end. That's not true. That's impossible. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, good or bad, I don't know, but there's certainly a lot of um, like he puts himself out there, you know, screaming like that. Oh, and, his face, and, uh, his face. <laughs> yeah, his face. I mean, he works it. That's the thing, and and a lot of acting, like they talk about, you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable, um, right? That's why, like, all the great actors, like, there's. They can turn, you know, the the moment with a look, or uh, you know, or with a, a line, like a quick line, because they know how to allow you to understand how they're feeling, and it's 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 scary to like, you know, take a risk like that, like I'm just gonna scream my face off. I guess in film though, the director editors uh, you know ultimately pick what to use. So I'm curious if he uh, did that like scream take like 20 times or just once. Yeah, I'm wondering what know, take or, they used. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yes. I just, when we were talking about um, Lucas as uh, a director, and uh, what's funny was that Harrison Ford, I think, through the years, has mentioned many times that he was hard to work with. He's not like a, an actor's director. Uh, and this is pretty common with like American film directors, is they don't really go through theater, so they don't really learn how to work with actors. They just learn how to make a movie, like how to put the movie together, how to tell a story. Um, and it's kind of rare that you find like a director who is kind of into the acting side of, of things. And Lucas is apparently particularly bad with that. Um, so people point to that as maybe reasons why some of the, like you said, like the accidentally funny line readings or different things like that through the years. Like they wonder if that's part of why we get these strange line readings in Star Wars or just um, scenes that seem like maybe they didn't do a lot of takes or something. Um, and yeah, one of the strengths was Lucas's uh, wife, right? She was one of the original editors. So I give a lot of credit for uh, for bringing together uh, the original trilogy. It's interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, by contrast to whatever you have, uh, subsequent directors who are a little more organic, I guess, in the process. Um, and so they're able to, you know, get a little more out of the performance. So I think that uh, Harrison Ford you know, he really enjoyed uh, working on Empire Strikes Back, even though they wouldn't kill off um, <laughs> kill off Han Solo. Uh, uh, that he was able to work with, um, you know, director that that was much more, uh, you know, organic in the process. That you know, kind of brought him in. They made that crazy you know, change to have Han Solo say "I know" instead of "I love you" famously. Uh. Um, um, yeah, so so uh, Irvin Kirshner was the one that directed Empire, right? Um, right. So he did that, the the scene that uh, we were talking about with the Darth Vader. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know if there, I don't know if there's any obvious differences from the jump between Star Wars and Empire between the two directors. I don't really see a lot of it, uh, except for that you know some performances I think in Empire are a little more powerful, and so I wonder, yeah, if him working with uh, with uh, Mark Hamill. Maybe he tried to get that kind of gritty, you know, screen out of him. Uh, so yeah, it comes back to good, good acting or bad acting with Mark Hamill and 
in that scene uh, where he finds out that uh, Darth Vader is the Southwalker's father. And um, yeah, I wonder how much maybe Kirshner, you know, pushed him. And maybe it would have got really bad acting if it was Lucas instead of Kirshner doing it. Um, yeah, that is a valid question, I think. If you think it was a little rough, it may have gotten a lot worse. Well, I took uh, I took Darth Vader, I guess. So so our so these picks are forever intertwined. Um, yeah, but I like the Luke pick. I like the Luke pick here. I'm I'm kind of. It's interesting that he that he lasted this long in some ways. And that there are other prominent characters. Yeah, there. yeah. Okay, well, I'll I'll, I'll uh, ask this. Uh, like, when you were kids and uh, growing up watching the films, like, did you want to be Han or Luke? Because I think for me, Luke was kind of more relatable, and I think just the whole Jedi aspect was a lot cooler. Um, although Han was obviously he himself was a cooler character, but I guess he's the guy that would be your uh, your your pal, and but you'd want to be Luke. Yeah, I was I was Luke. I was. I'm, I'm right there with you guys. Yeah. 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 You wanted I, to be. Luke. Yeah, I think it was for Jed for Jedi reasons, but also he is like the the story is is Luke, right? Like Luke is Luke is the one you're following through the original trilogy. I'm I'm always a little naive about everything, and so I guess I really, and you know, wish I could be more like Han Solo, but uh, it is what it is. Yeah. Okay. So next pick, uh, Brandon. Yeah, okay. Uh I am gonna go with uh I'm gonna go with Weird Al songs about Star Wars. Um and and I'm gonna go with it because uh Weird Al was my first favorite musician and Yoda was my first favorite song. And uh you know, I, I didn't even hear the original song Lola by the Kinks until years after I first heard Yoda. And uh, looking back, uh, this song, along with The Saga Begins, uh, which honestly is like one of the best things to come to come out of episode one, if you want to call it coming out of episode one, I guess. Um, but they take me back into a time when I was a Star Wars obsessive. You know, like I was, I was in the... the uh, you know, 10 years old range, uh, you know, playing Star Wars video games on N64, well, Empire Strikes Back, or no, uh, Shadows of the Empire, um, watching the movies pretty much on loop and uh, playing with the toys, like, all the damn time. Uh, and now I could listen to, like, songs about Star Wars too. It it basically blew my mind. Uh, you know, songs with words that I could sing along to, not, like, the score, right, which I could also listen to. Uh, and did frequently, um, but uh, these are two songs basically drilled into my head for a really long time. And uh, I actually uh, saw Weird Al for the first time last year, and uh, it was it was a strange experience um, because it se- me uh, me and my buddy went to the show, and we're two grown men going to see Weird Al for the first time to kick kick it off our concert bucket list and every other 
party in the at the show was like a family and they had kids or they're teenagers and their parents right <laughs> intergenerational weird al fans kind of like a, a smash mouth uh, kind of thing there. <laughs> I, I guess so i guess so um uh but the show itself was kind of like uh, nostalgia but also like kind of semi-embarrassment like I, w- I was cringing at a lot of the the references from newer-ish songs that are already kind of dated and are kind of dated by the time the the album comes out anyway. Uh, And, uh, you know, felt a little out of place in the audience too, but, uh, you know, here's a Weird Al concert spoiler alert. He saves the Star Wars songs for the encore, okay? Uh, but, But there's a reason, and the reason is that it's the big payoff. And really like hearing those two songs uh saga begins and yoda in the encore made the entire experience worth it and uh you know this was at this point this was a a few months before uh force awakens came out and i was pretty much ready at that point so weird al songs about star wars that's a great pick yeah i was trying to find some nine like movie or tv show or you know video game picks and uh those definitely escaped me I do love the the um, saga begins. It's such a great. Um, I think that's you know Weird Al doing some of his best work. Oh yeah, yeah, but definitely, definitely a highlight. Yeah, it kind of ties into one of my later picks, but um, yeah, it, it was it was cool at the time. I don't know. Looking at it now, it might be a little kind of a little too cute and precious. I don't know if it's kind of if it still holds up. Uh, <laughs> um, like, it holds up, Ken. It holds up. <laughs> And uh, what what year did that the Yoda song come out? Like late eighties? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I I first times. yeah I first experienced it um, on Weird Al's Greatest Hits Volume Two, um, and in in the mid nineties or so. I was trying to make a connection between maybe like Weird Al doing all those Michael Jackson parodies. I was like, is there really not a Michael Jackson and Star Wars connection at all? Um, there's those big cultural icons from the 80s. It's odd that, and yeah, early 80s, I guess, to late 80s, whatever. Uh, but that yeah. there is no connecting the dots there that I can even. Come up with. Uh, there was Captain EO. I don't know if that counts. Oh, yes. Yeah, Lucas, I guess he produced it. Yeah. Francis, um, I don't know if Francis Ford Coppola was in that. Crazy. Yeah, that was the, that. Uh, the 3D movie at Disneyland. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I did see that back in the day. That's funny. I think didn't oh, there was a story like I think Lucas was telling Michael Jackson about Phantom Menace, and he like Jackson expressed interest in playing Jar Jar. I don't know if that's how it went down, but it was already cast. <laughs> what? So. But wait, oh, why? Man. Why? Why do you not drop everything and <laughs> yeah. and and put Michael Jackson in your movie? Maybe he's too well coordinated to play the character, <laughs> but yeah, I think they mentioned that on Star Wars Minute. Wouldn't grasp the clumsiness of the character. <laughs> Why would you not be good at everything, <laughs> movement-wise or speaking? <laughs> yeah, you could have had a Gungan dance number, I guess. <laughs> yeah, don't give him any <laughs> ideas. <laughs> um, yeah, the Yoda song came out in 1985. Uh, that was on the Dare to Be Stupid album. Yeah. And uh, that song, of course, the, the title song, of course, was in the uh, Transformers the movie uh, soundtrack. Hmm. I got to get that in there. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, so that was kind of I, in the mid '80s. Uh, Star Wars references and parodies that was kind of a rare thing, which is a lot different from how things are now. So, uh, any Star Wars mention you saw anywhere was like you'd get a big thrill out of that. Right. Are you saying that Star Wars mentioned in the mid '80s was a thriller? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to mute my laughter now. Uh. Okay, so... Next. Uh, I guess we're starting next round. Uh, Nick. Back up. Awesome. Um, Alright, I'm going to go... I'm going to not take a, a deep dive this time, since we're maybe getting a little towards the end here. So, um... Well, okay, actually I am. Sorry. Because make sure we get this in. Uh, Ken, we were talking about actors and characters and whatnot. So, um... The Major General Maximilian Veers, General Veers, who's the guy that leads the attack on the Hoth base, right? And you see him, like, shoot the the shield generator at the end of that battle. So he is, like, this hero in, in the Empire. Uh, so he's, like, the one guy that, like, successfully uh, wins a battle against the Rebellion that we see on screen in the original trilogy. But what I just think is cool about him is he also went on to be in... Uh, uh, Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. Uh, he's the guy that betrays the Joneses, right? He's the German sympathizer. Yeah, he has uh, an American accent. And yeah, crazy, right? He has an American accent in the whole movie, and um, so like that was a thing that Lucas and Spielberg like kind of you know like, they liked him, so they brought him into this other movie, kind of reuniting him with Hans- so with uh, Harrison Ford. Um, I just gotta mention real quick. Um, yeah, the guy who plays Admiral Ozel was in Last Crusade also. Oh, no kidding. Really? He was, uh, he was oh. Hitler. He was Hitler. Signed <laughs> up the book. Oh, wow. Oh, right. Well, and there's, uh, there is a, you know, a whole um, meme on the internet about, uh, like, James Earl Jones, because it's, it's, it's a, okay, let me get it wrong, but James Earl Jones, right, goes, like, back in time to Star Wars to team up with um, some guy to later betray him, and then eventually, like, they go and they kill Hitler together um, so maybe we should put that in the show notes because I'm obviously butchering this, but um, it's a pretty great connection if you connect all the dots between it's like all the, the actors in different roles that they played and they're all like meeting. Yeah, exactly. It's not even on screen pairings, but it's yeah. You mix all these different roles together, you can tag. Uh, you can go from like uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon, or it's like six degrees of I don't know James Earl Jones or something, where you can get from uh, Darth Vader to the guy that kills Hitler. Anyway. <laughs> So, and um, he also uh, now plays Grandmaster Picel on uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, so I just, um, yeah, it's pretty cool that like this guy that played kind of a minor character, but it left like a big impact on me. So it's uh, Julian Glover, um, who had a great career. I mean, like pretty amazing career and uh, just barely didn't make it long enough, I guess, to uh, get into this round of, of films, I think. Or maybe he's well. Oh no, that's my question. I guess from earlier was so in the in the books. Like I think they killed off Veers um, in the expanded universe. So I am just curious. Like, hey, is he still out there? Because uh, what happened was apparently in the books that he he goes on to uh, fall out of favor with the uh, imperial uh, imperial officers that are left after after the Battle of Endor because Veers becomes buddies with. Uh, or at least was was favored by uh, Darth Vader, 
And nobody likes Darth Vader if you're uh, an officer in the Imperial Army for obvious reasons. Like you don't want to be a choke to death. We were discussing this earlier, but Vader is more of a special projects manager in the Imperial bureaucracy. So <laughs> obviously he doesn't outrank anybody, technically speaking. Um, so it's just funny that they like turned this whole thing about him being buddies with Vader and that he goes on to just like get every everything cut out from under him in terms of the, uh, his rank in the Empire before kind of fading into obscurity and then getting sent on the suicide run. Uh, in the expanded universe, so but that's gone now. It doesn't exist anymore. So technically, Veers, as well as I'm sure many other Imperials who weren't on the Death Star, are still, you know, they're out there somewhere. Maybe they're hanging out in, in Cloud City. I don't know, but uh, I kind of want to know what happens to all these characters that um, are now like brought back to life. Um, and I guess like there's some other characters like not Wedge and Biggs, but. Um, who was the other one I was thinking of? Um, of the X-Wing pilots? Yeah, like some of the X-Wing pilots or some of the other yeah, pilots are still hanging around, technically speaking. That, uh, you know, if you go like deep dive into their expanded universe history, yeah, okay, eventually they get killed off. But um, I guess kind of like Chewbacca, <laughs> they're, they're now back to life again. They're, they're still around. So um, I don't know. I'm kind of curious what episode eight or, or nine have in store for us there's going to be any any more cameos or if they're kind of going to move on into the you know the new characters and the, the actual plot of what's going on um, and also just that Veer's left this weird impression with me through the years because uh, he's the like the asshole that you know finally defeated the rebels like the first time he tastes defeat with the rebels is uh, at that you know, on screen anyway is at that battle right. where uh, it's the terror of the eight the I don't know. Do you guys say AT-ATs or do you say AT-AT? This is another question that I guess should have come up. Yeah, that's come up on Star Wars Minute. I, I, I would just say walkers. That's like the easy way out, but I, uh, I sure. guess it'd be AT-AT. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I say AT-AT, but I also say A-T-S-T. So, like, like it, I mean, it depends on the walker, but, you know, I perhaps, uh, I don't know, consistency is overrated in this case, maybe. <laughs> oh, really? it's, it's it's AT-AT <laughs> Ooh. Camp, camp, Ooh. camp AT-AT so, so definitive <laughs> no it's funny because we say AT-ST but a lot of people don't say AT-AT why is that <laughs> how did we get there but well, so, yeah, beers, uh, yeah. well since we're like kind of on a baseball blog I guess it's like sure. baseball acronyms some you pronounce and some you see the letters like BABIP but you don't say ops, you say OPS. So yeah. uh, I don't know how that works. Do you say Boba? I think most people say Boba. Is that right? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but there are no vowels in WRC+. Plus. <laughs> work. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunate. It hasn't caught on to say work, work plus. <laughs> uh, Zimborski did himself a real favor by inserting those couple, you know, that one vowel, that one I in Zips. Right, 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 yeah. Uh, Big difference. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and I mean, war is a word, right? War is a word, and warp is a word. And even the the one that predated that, vorp, vorp is a word. WPA is just WPA. Yeah. Not with the... Well, it's the Works Progress Administration, Ken. <laughs> it's government programs. 
WPA will rise again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that meme was um, James Earl Jones and Harrison Ford. I think they were in Clear and Present Danger. Oh, yeah. So they go back in time to stop Hitler. Um, Ford fails to kill him, but he manages to kill Veers slash Donovan. Yeah, yeah uh, at Walter. The end. Yes. yes. He dies. So <laughs> they managed to do that. Okay, okay so anyway. next pick uh, Mike. Okay. I can take everyone's favorite droid, uh, which would, of course, be EV99. Uh, the droid who runs Jabba's droid shop. <laughs> <laughs> EV-99 was made by Mirin Data, is a supervisor-class droid, and says things like, uh, yes or no will do. <laughs> I mean, he, he's, he's on top of it. And uh, he, he may it order torture. Isn't it oh, a female yeah. character? Uh, yes. She, uh, she <laughs> may, order, uh, <laughs> may order torture, but... According to Wikipedia, she is bronze. Although I, I kind of picture more of a silver droid. So I may have to, may have to check the source at some point. Um, and you know who plays the? I think the voice of the character. Uh, well, yeah, so we, were, we were talking about directors earlier. I believe uh, Richard Marquand was the voice of EV ninety nine. Ah, nice. excellent. Uh, and there's that whole question about whether droids uh, actually feel pain and can be physically tortured. All right, because we do see like them react to things. Oh, was it was the, the gonk droid. Yeah, the gonk yeah. droid. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They at least believe they can feel pain. True. Yeah, I'll probably have to pick gonk. Uh, in a future show. <laughs> oh, Eve used to work as a moisture evaporator mechanic. Huh. Do you want see and Thrupio could have talked all about yeah. evaporators and bocce and could have been a gr- there could have been some great scenes there. I wonder if it's a second language to her too. <laughs> <laughs> so uh my pick, it's kind of a mixed bag, but I guess emotionally, it's something I have fond memories of. Um, so I'm just going to go with like pre-episode one hype, um, <laughs> back when there was a lot of hope among Star Wars fans and uh, new hope. Yeah, <laughs> or a lot. Um, I think the timeline. I guess in the mid '90s. I guess Lucas he finally announced episode one, uh, but he did the special editions first. That was in '97. Um. But yeah, just just the memories of that time, I guess those few months before the movie actually came out, even if that was itself was uh, disappointing. But, um, you know, just seeing all the uh, merchandise in stores and being on magazine covers, um, seeing the trailer on a tiny quick time screen after waiting patiently to download it. Um, yeah, and all the uh, the excessive fast food tie-ins. Yeah, I think uh, Brandon had, when he drafted Shadows of the Empire, I guess part of it was just kind of that experience of new Star Wars being mm-hmm. out. Um, yeah, so you guys have any 
particular memories of that uh, of that lead up? Uh, I I remember being very excited when I bought the novelization by Terry Brooks, uh, <laughs> which came out uh, about a a little bit before the movie did, like a few weeks, and uh, you know I I don't think I finished it, but I was really excited to have it in my hands. Well, and the action figures too. I was totally stoked, and I mean I remember when the soundtrack came out, like before, before I got to see the movie. And, um, like, just the Duel of Fates was, was so awesome. Oh, God, uh, yeah. It blew me away. Uh, and we I played it. I have seen it, the, uh, the track listing uh, with a spoiler. I don't know if you had seen that by accident. Oh, saying that's that funny. Qui-Gon dies. Yeah, I think that I didn't um, get this. I didn't actually buy it until after the, I saw the film. But somebody, I heard it through um, somebody I knew at my, so I worked at, I worked at a laser tag place uh, that year, and so a guy I worked with brought it and like played it, um, and uh, so yeah, I didn't actually see it. It's funny, uh, I, I didn't catch that. Um, I'm just kind of putting it back together again now. Actually, uh, that was the deal. Um, there is a pretty cool thing in the end of like Anakin's theme, where they kind of tease the Imperial uh, March just a little bit. I remember that part. Of it. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was in the um, obviously end credits. Yeah. Um, and just like the the hype, like um, my friend, so I, I I owe I owe a life debt, I guess you could say, to a friend of mine from <laughs> high school who just knew I was a big Star Wars fan, and um, we weren't like particularly close, but we were friends because like classes and living in the same neighborhood. So he invited me, like he had uh, three tickets, so he invited me and somebody else to go see the the film with him on like the opening weekend. Um, so we didn't have to wait in the crazy lines or anything like that. So I yeah I, I owe. Uh, Eric, if you if you haven't listened to this, I'm a big big favor, and uh, he has kids now, so like, I, I offered to take him to the Force Awakens, but he had you know obligations to like take his kids to see it. So maybe on our third or fourth time, we'll make it back around again. That was in Atlanta at the time uh, in '99. It was uh, I was actually living in Kentucky. I grew up in Lexington, oh. Kentucky. So I was up there, yeah, at the mall. Like it wasn't the mall; it was uh, next to the mall. On a, on a screen that seems pretty small now, I'm sure, by comparison. Um, I bet they're not even there anymore because now everything has to be giant and, you know, whatnot. Have you guys, have you seen it in 3D by any chance now that they've remade it? When it came out a few years ago? Yeah. The, just episode one? Yeah. Yeah, I saw I it. Know, were you excited when they re-released it, like, <laughs> 3D at all? Was there a reaction this time around? Probably not the same, obviously. No, it actually like okay. So I'll, I'm I guess I'm kind of a prequel apologist, um, especially compared to the three of you. Apparently, um, <laughs> we established on our last show, but um, yeah, I, I I was always kind of a, I was kind of it was a mixed bag for me. But um, seeing it in 3D, I guess it came out maybe five years ago. Uh, that it really hit home how uh, how subpar the movie was. So, but the, the the 3D effect itself, I it don't really. Uh, Seems to have much of an impact, so yeah. I guess it kind of just edited in, like, oh, here's some extra droids <laughs> <laughs> flying <laughs> out, blasters it. firing at your face. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Mike, any uh, episode one, like pre-episode one memories? Yeah, uh, it was it, it was so exciting. Like, I I I had the book, the uh, the novelization as well. Darth Maul cover. He was. Uh, uh, that was, that uh, was the I had the I, I had the Obi Wan cover. Oh, nice! Yeah, I remember that was a thing for a while on which cover people were picking. 
Yeah, I just feel really bad for whoever bought like all the covers. Like I gotta have them all, <laughs> and they're like a penny now. Now they're just sitting in a shelf somewhere. Yeah, with their copy of Infinite Jest. <laughs> Next pick, Brandon. Cool. Um, I am. Uh, I'm gonna take this. Uh, I'm gonna take this recording further down the path of becoming a baseball podcast, uh, and I'm going to take uh, Star Wars Nights at. Uh, at baseball stadiums. And uh, I should preface this by saying that I'm not like a super, super collector, um, but I'm a sucker for memorabilia that intersects with my other interests. Um, so when the Cubs announced their first Star Wars night a couple of years ago, uh, it was one of those where I had to be there uh, to get my uh, Anthony Rizzo, Jedi Anthony Rizzo bobblehead doll, um, on which he is wearing a cape, uh, and and instead of a bat, he is holding a lightsaber, and I had to be there. And uh, you know some some of these other uh, recent ones, like the Jason Grilly X-wing bobblehead and the Cincinnati Reds Red Legs bobblehead. Um, the I, I will say this: the Reds are actually doing a a Yoda bobblehead. It's just Yoda. Like there's there's no connection to the Cincinnati Reds except for the fact that Yoda is standing on top of a baseball that says Cincinnati Reds on it, um, which doesn't seem to have much of a connection to the Cincinnati Reds at all. Um, but, uh, I, I especially like seeing the, uh, the minor league, uh, Star Wars Knights, like that team, uh, last year that wore, uh, Wookiee themed, uh, jerseys for their Star Wars Night. Um, and uh, you know, I'm 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 looking forward to uh, to Force Awakens integration with these promo nights in the future. Um, have 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 any of you guys been to a Star Wars night? I haven't, but I have tickets for the Red Sox Star Wars night this year. Very excited. Is is there a promotional item that they're giving away? I you know I don't think there is. And now now I will uh, I will be disappointed if there's not some kind of a cool. <laughs> Weird. It's gotta be hybrid. David Ortiz, uh, some in some costume, right? I mean, <laughs> Chris, they don't say the f word in, in the Star Wars movies, so maybe <laughs> you can pick a better, like, <laughs> better citizen. But he uses to take a uh, midichlorian test when asked by his Oh, 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 oh. Oh man, oh man, Mike, okay, okay, Google tells me, Google tells me that all fans who purchase tickets through the special offer will receive a limited edition BB-8 Red Sox baseball with their ticket. Ooh. <laughs> it's, a, it's a baseball that looks like the bottom of BB-8, in case you were wondering. <laughs> oh, so there's no so little head ball. on that. Yeah. Sorry. But it's no, no. Needed. No yeah. lighter comes out of it to give the thumbs up. Right. Yeah. yeah. Good play. So disappointing. Someone should go make that. Well, that's pretty cool. Um, okay. Well, one of the things that uh, we passed around before we started recording was a a page on the on the Baseball Hall of Fame website about the integration of Star Wars and baseball. Um, and uh, just wanna just wanna read this passage. Uh, Fans found out that there is no better way to celebrate popular American culture than Star Wars and a ball game. May the force be with you, but remember, it's, it always helps to have a good lefty in the bullpen. 
What? <laughs> oh, man. That's the best I can do. Yeah. Several generations of baseball fans and science fiction buffs have grown to enjoy the celebration of both passions at the ballpark. Yeah. So, Nick, did you uh, go at any games? Uh, I, I didn't. Yeah, we talked about the um, bobblehead. It was Jason Grilly in Atlanta last year on July 5th. And I'm trying to think of what I was doing, like uh, Independence Day weekend last year or that, around that time. Maybe it was just work. I can't remember when the holiday was. But I'm going to have to make a point this year because uh, we've got, I don't know, so many like, characters uh, on the Braves now, like Nick Switcher's on the team. And, um, you know, Marcakis is a local guy. And I don't know, a lot of, a lot of dudes that might fill that role pretty well of uh, fan favorites. Because obviously the Braves don't have any actually good players. They just have famous players. Uh, so we'll have to see. It's an interesting to look for. I like the idea of a uh, laser show though with the Red Sox. Uh, unfortunately, he's not going to be in the whole head, but it, they missed opportunity there, I think. Ju- um, July uh, July uh, 1st Star Wars night. Uh, so they're still going with the like May the 4th be with you theme, I see. Or uh, I guess that's not May the 4th. <laughs> July the 4th be with you. Sorry, the fourth with you. That's not really. It doesn't work. That's that's not really a saying from the movie. That's really how it works. <laughs> um, it's funny though. I do have two minor league teams. Not far, Gwinnett and Rome, uh, are within you know short drive distance. And uh, I don't think they had Star Wars night. I could be completely wrong because obviously I missed the Braves one completely. But those are. I'm, I'm actually more into trying to check out the minor league. I think uh, Star Wars nights because they're just so ridiculous. And and they don't care. So. There is a uh, there is a Star Wars night uh, for Gwinnett, May seventh. Nice. So that yeah, is May fourth. Uh, that is May fourth weekend. We should get a collection so we can fly Ken to uh, Southern California. Yeah. Wherever else is cheap from Hawaii for a Star Wars night. Yeah, I haven't made a game in person, but like the only thing I know of, like with Angels, they. Um, I guess their video board crew, which uh, infamously brought us the Rally Monkey. Oh, the Rally Monkey, yes. Yeah, they're good about doing, like, you know, mixing up uh, the, the the players with images, so uh, images from the movies. So, like, yeah, like Mike Trout uh, training with Yoda on his back. I don't know if all the teams do that kind of thing. Oh, that's cool. I know, didn't, didn't somebody replace um, on Star Wars Night, like, David Ortiz with Jabba the Hutt? Uh... Or maybe that was Ryan Howard. Ah, uh, a couple years ago, that that was ah, uh, that was a low low blow. Yeah, I think it was just billowing in shadows. You're Other standing than, behind uh, a shrubbery. Joba, that <laughs> uh, Joba Chamberlain, actually standing in. Jo- Joba the Chamberlain. Joba the Chamberlain. <laughs> just go like lightning round on this last round. Okay, so next pick, uh, last round for tonight. All right, Nick. Uh, I'm going to jump in. I'm going to go ahead and take Han Solo. Finally, I guess took him, right? I'm talking about him all night. <laughs> Can't believe he made it this, this late either. Yep, that's, that's you know. I think the funny about Han Solo is, like, he's probably the character that most people are most familiar with. Because, uh, not just familiar with, but, like, his story is just kind of, he wears it on his sleeve, you know, in all the movies. 
so it's not like he has like a, a deep dart seekers necessarily. Um, I'm sure there's some interesting background. Aren't we going to get a Han Solo movie in a few years? Is that yeah, the the guys that did the Lego movie. Oh, that's right. Are directing it. I think Lawrence Kasdan is going to write it. So that's exciting. Yeah. So then we will get some backstory. Um, so we're not done with him yet. And uh, I think they picked the right time to wrap things up with Han Solo. I mean, I, I thought it was a good, good final, strong final showing, and uh, I was a little sad to see him go. Obviously, and uh, I thought for a minute he might make it all the way up until Kylo Ren said, "You know, uh, what does he say? Uh, I need you to help me with something." Uh, yeah, he knows what he needs to do, but he doesn't know if he has uh, the yeah. strength to do it. Yeah, exactly. I don't have the strength to do it. Yep. Then, uh, then uh, that was that. I was like, "Oh no." Not good. Um, and obviously they put, you know, Chewie far, as far away from Hansel as possible in that scene. And I didn't realize, so I saw it the second time. Um, uh, you know, clearly that was to create some, some distance there. Because Chewie's not running out of there on his own uh, if Han's in trouble like that. So it's not letting Kyle Ren just run, run off. Okay, so uh, Mike? I actually wasn't going to take Han, but I was going to take a Han quote. Uh, I think one of the best, uh, class- well, now it's a classic, uh, typical Han Solo, quick wit, excellent delivery, Force Awakens, they're on the planet, Chewie says something, he says, oh really, you're cold? <laughs> it's only a second, but it's like, so he's the big Wookiee, he's covered in fur, he doesn't have a coat... <laughs> He's complaining about being cold. <laughs> yeah, and I love, I love how Chewie's like concerned about him and make sure he ha- he has that winter coat uh, before they walk out. It's really funny. Forgot uh, that line happened. Yeah. Okay, so uh, my last pick. I'm gonna go with the guy, the guy who thought he could hold it. He thought he was all right, but he wasn't. I'm gonna go with Red Six, uh, Jack Parkins, the Everyman X-wing pilot. Um. Uh, so yeah, so the character who plays or the actor who plays him was William Hootkins. Uh, he was also in Raiders of the Lost Ark playing uh, Major Eaton, uh, who gives that line the uh, top men, the government guy that recruits Indy. And uh, I, William Hootkins also played uh, Lieutenant Eckhart in the Tim Burton Batman, uh, which also had Billy Dee Williams as uh, Harvey Dent. Um, and he's also played Teddy Roosevelt, uh, Winston Churchill, and Santa Claus. And uh, <laughs> how many times did Santa Claus? That's a real question. Um, and there's a video online where you can see uh, Perkins blowing a Death Star, which uh, works perfectly. Although Han still calls him kid. <laughs> and uh, great shooting kid. And on the uh, the Star Wars Minute uh, Weekend Edition, um, they have this segment called the uh, Jack Perkins Memorial Sexology, which is like a six round uh, draft that Pete and Alex do. So. Um, yeah, that's all in Perkins' memory. So this goes out to you, Perkins. Okay, Brandon. Uh, uh, I'm I'm going to take the the bounty hunters from Empire Strikes Back, um, who are on screen. Well, Boba Fett shows up again, but uh, I'm talking about uh, the the lot of them: uh, Dengar, IG88, uh, Bosk, my favorite, um, Forlom, and Zuckus. Uh, who are on screen for like 30 seconds uh, as Darth Vader is telling them to go and and do his bidding. And uh, Forlom, the name, you know where that comes from, right? 
Where does that come from? Uh, does anyone else want to guess? Uh, is this what it stands for? Yeah. Well, it's what it was inspired by. Yeah. I don't think it's the character's actual uh, name. Oh, really? I was. I just knew him. He was. Uh, he's for love or money. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I did not know that. Forlums, uh, I, it's one of the things that I noticed uh, in like action figures and uh, and Star Wars character guides and stuff. Forlums' body kind of looks like C three PO's. Yeah, I mean he he is. I, I guess I, I guess he 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 is a droid. Um, but but like right down to the like wires that connect at the elbows and stuff. It's totally very. He's very C three PO. He's like a black therpia with like a bug. Yeah, with a bug face. Yeah, and then Sucus looks like a bug too. I think, I think maybe the original action figures kind of switched, and I, I can kind of see why. So yeah. Okay. Any of them is bounty hunters drawn definitely on my list. And uh, I read the Tales of the Bounty Hunters whatever book that came out years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. I think it's still worth reading. I mean, even if even if like okay, it's expanded universe or not or whatever, it's just like some good stories. Yeah, yeah, uh, totally. In there. And Bosk was a was a fun topic on uh, on Star Wars Minute, right? Like uh, his his puns, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Juice Bosk and yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. That was one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, so that'll wrap it up for today. Um, I think Brandon will be back with the baseball show this weekend. Baseball show, baseball show, yes, baseball show. <laughs> so I will. Hold out my microphone awkwardly until uh, Brandon can pick it up in the next episode. So, uh, so um, <laughs> just going to thank everyone real quick. Uh, Nick, thanks for joining us. Thank you, you guys. And I'm going to go crawl in my back to the chamber now. <laughs> and uh, Mike, thank you. Oh, man, you know, I'm, I'm just out of uh, quick references. <laughs> you did a great job, Mike. It's okay. <laughs> thank- thanks for having <laughs> us, Ken. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, Brandon? <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks, Ken. This is always fun. I'm going to go cut up in a tauntaun and crawl in for the night. Um, you can pre-order our book. Uh, oh, wait, that's not us. <laughs> so, so thanks to everyone for listening. <laughs> You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home. I can hold it.